0: Stay tuned, Connect with Damien and Amanda is about to start.
1: Join us as we cover inspiring topics on health, healing and transformation.
0: We have both lived and breathed transformation in our own lives as practitioners and also the patient. So we'd love to inspire you so that you can empower yourself on your journey to health and happiness.
1: The information shared on the show is general information and should not be used to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease and is not substitute for professional healthcare advice. Always check with your practitioner before you apply anything discussed on our show. So buckle up, strap yourself in and open up your third eye
0: because we're here to help you to connect with Damien and Amanda. I'm here today with my lovely
1: co-host, Amanda Campbell. Hey, Amanda, how are you doing today? Hi, Damien. Lovely. It's great to be here. Awesome. Okay, so today we're actually going to dive into the the first of our listener Q&A. So this is something that I'm really looking forward to because I've actually had a lot of conversations over the past week that pretty much completely changed what I was going to talk about today, which is great. So. That's the cool thing about listener-submitted Q&As is that we get to have a chat about all the topics that you guys would like to learn more about. And today's podcast focuses on the central theme of how can I optimise my immune system? Great. Great topic. So I thought, let's start with some of these questions. And the, the main one that we were looking at first was like, what can I do to optimise my immune system? And as I mentioned just before, I've had so many conversations about this over the past week or so, people wanting to stay on top of things so they can perform their best, looking at ways to enhance their immune system so they can return to work, Mm. or they're about about to venture into a new business or restructure their business, Mm. and they really want to just stay on top of things. And obviously, at the moment here in Melbourne, we're about to have that change of season. Yes, yes so we're about to head into winter and as most people will be aware there's a
0: connection between seasonal changes and challenges to our immune system so obviously immune system applies to so many things that are going on in our lives right now oh absolutely our immune
1: system does a pretty amazing job of defending against all of our daily assaults but between the change in season people starting to return to their office environments and you know using public transport yep uh, today seemed like that perfect timing to do a podcast that looks of some of those fundamentals that we can integrate to boost our resilience and well-being great so obviously I believe that lifestyle changes are one of the best things we can do to boost our immune system you know and this is the best form of defense for you know for our health our well-being our longevity and like we we're saying before optimal performance staying on top of your game as well like your immune system's very connected into that sort of stuff
0: definitely if you look after yourself um, consistently um on those times where you get extra tired or maybe a virus comes in or a cold or, you know, you, you're, you're more susceptible to catch things when you're, you haven't been doing the work every day, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're
1: going to talk about how we can use nutrition, we can use exercise, we can use nature immersion, stress management, the importance of sleep, all of these things we can do that help us build a strong and stable foundation. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So like I mentioned before, our, Im- our immune system does this amazing job of pr- protecting our body from these foreign invaders, but obviously they can't do it without the right nutrients. Yes. So they can't do it without the right nutrition. And a lot of people tend to underestimate how important the influence of nutrition is on our health.
0: I know. I didn't notice until my body actually changed um, physically after I started eating better because I was paralyzed though before I didn't have that comparison.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you've always said nutrition played a huge role in your transformation.
0: Massive. And
1: I know for me as well, it's, you know, when I've spoke about in our first podcast, when I spoke about ankylosing spondylitis and... And gut health and and how, you know, my inflammation gets triggered from
0: basically the things that I eat. The joints, the rigidity you would feel, your symptoms improved as did mine and sometimes we get so used to feeling crap, (laughs) right, that you don't notice the difference and that becomes so familiar to just eat and live and feel that way. Yeah. But um, when, you know, you're forced to maybe make a lifestyle change or to eat better, and for me it was literally the difference between walking again or not, then, of course, I noticed. But usually, you know, typically we don't notice.
1: Yeah, and also allowing those changes to take place over a longer timeline like a lot of people might go oh well i ate healthy for a day you know i didn't didn't (laughs) notice a difference like you really need you need like a a month or two months or three months to then really start to see the results you need discipline oh absolutely yeah absolutely so when we're talking about the immune system as well and we're talking about food now 70 percent of our immune system resides in our gut yep so what you eat pays a huge role in how your immune system functions and the rest of your body as well. You are what you eat. Absolutely. So foods can obviously support our immune system in a lot of different ways. You know, they're going to regulate inflammation, which most people are probably aware of, but they also can increase our resilience to infections. I mean, you've only got to think of things like garlic.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: I mean, people stay away from you. That's probably a good one for social distancing. Yes. You know, get, the, get the garlic into your <laughs> body. <laughs>
0: So true. And absolutely. ginger is nausea. good for
1: nausea, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And emptying your stomach. Um, so that's why people use like ginger chews or ginger teas. So they can actually help take a bit of that bloating out of the stomach as well after meals.
0: Yeah, cool. Good yeah.
1: tip. So ginger is amazing. We often talk about eating more whole foods. You know, people say, oh, I just go and eat a healthy diet. Most people don't really know what that means half the time. Yeah. You know, but generally we say eat more whole foods, colourful fruits and veggies, you know, eat a rainbow, you know, and you talk about it like that a lot with your clients, don't you, about eating a rainbow?
0: Yeah, just all the research I did on repair, it all came down to food in its most natural form and mm. where the food came from and how it was sourced impacted the nutrient density. Yeah, and that's the key word, isn't it? It's
1: the nutrient density. And, and the that,
0: variety as yeah. well.
1: Because a lot of our diets are like void of nutrients like we can eat a lot of calories but we don't always get that nutrient density and that's where all the cool stuff is that our our, like immune system and our body can actually unlock and use and it's
0: really simple once you just get used to eating good fats great hydration fiber fruits and vegetables Whole foods, I mean, yep. there's there's lots of fun ways. We've got to do this in another podcast, by the way. We've got to do food and repair. Yeah, yeah. We have to. Food and repair. Um, okay. Because you and I both have done so much research on just that very topic, what do I eat? Yeah. So we should talk about that another time. But it's so true, food plays an enormous role in our immune system. One of the first questions that I got, and I, this is something that I always talk about in clinic as well
1: with people and I actually have a lot over the last week or so, is that how does sugar affect my immune system? Mm. So we all know that, oh, yeah, you probably should reduce the amount of sugar
0: in your diet. Like mm. that's a pretty you – know, most people don't, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, I and understand And sugar isn't that. just chocolate. No, sugar no. Sugar is in processed food sources that yep. we buy from the supermarket. Mm,
1: absolutely, yeah. So we're talking about – refined sugar here so we're talking more about glucose okay one of the interesting things is and this is something i found amazing is that so in your immune system you've got white blood cells Mm -hmm. so they're like our immune cells you know they're your immunological hope (laughs) i said that right your immunological (laughs) army we want a big army with lots of soldiers yep now, when we've got a big army of lots of soldiers, they can go out and do their thing. You like know, Pac-Man. They,
0: yeah,
1: they go out, they do their surveillance and they protect us from the you know, external environment, which is really cool. Yep. So, But when we decide to have a sugar binge, for whatever reason... And sugar glucose is like chocolate... Yeah, yeah, in chocolate, in lollies, you know, even in a lot of, like you said before, processed foods. So even like biscuits, cakes, a lot of packaged foods. Pastries, Thai
0: food that's not necessarily made from scratch, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: So when it comes to the sugar, what happens is if we binge or, you know, drinks as well, so whether you're drinking Coke or whatever it might be, Mm. our white blood cells take up that sugar. So we eat the sugar, our white blood cells take up that sugar, And it actually reduces their capacity to do their job by 75%. Right. So, And that can hang on for a couple of hours. If you have a big sugar binge, your immune system is actually going to be less effective than what it is, if you are like, on that whole food diet we're talking about before. Yeah,
0: I wonder what it is about the sugar that makes them want to take it up. I think
1: from what I've read, it has something to do with the way we used to use vitamin C. I think it's it's the molecular structure is that sugar and vitamin C look very similar. Right. So when we go back to old genetics and it, when our body would absorb the vitamin C into the cells, so I think it just, there's that pathway must be there for the sugar just to go in there. So I'm yep. sure, you know, someone who's a biochemist can give us a much better description of that. But my understanding is when we look at our genetics over time it used to be a, a biochemical pathway for how we utilize vitamin c yeah
0: and also if we're eating an, an excess of sugar maybe our body's white blood cells are doing their job and, re, and recognizing it as foreign and therefore they're busy dealing yeah. with that yeah. hence why they become depleted to be able to look after our immune system yeah. in the most effective way yeah and
1: i remember obviously this was back in the black and white days when i was back in naturopathy school yeah. in, the, in the old days <laughs> but i remember looking at some some research then when they were talking about You know, the average Australian, I think like in 1970 or whatever it might have been, ate two and a half kilos of sugar a Mm, year. mm, mm. And then at that particular point in time, which would have been early, early 2000s or the 90s, maybe I'm trying to work out when it was, the average Australian was eating 85 kilos of sugar a year.
0: Yeah. So that was
1: twenty years ago, and I can imagine that that's probably compounded on now. Oh yeah. So I think that the amount of sugar that we actually take in now is probably far greater than what it was years ago as well.
0: Has that got something to do with insulin resistance and all those issues that a lot of people are having nowadays?
1: Yeah, I think so, and that probably comes back to things like the inflammation and yeah, and the blood glucose management. Probably getting too much. Of it into our systems, and then we're seeing all of these disorders, yeah, disorders, these physiological responses of the body trying to deal with the extra sugar. What we we're talking about before is yeah, is that when you go on your you're sitting there watching Netflix and you go through your sugar binge or whatever it might be you actually then, yeah, reduce your ability for your immune system to work. So even if you've only got 25% of your white blood cells at that moment in time able to protect you. When you think about now moving into winter and, you know, everything that's going on, you want as much of your immunological army up and on as Do you, you know can. The
0: problem is, um, someone said this to me, tell me if you think this is relevant, um, what sugar does is it helps us come up with, from feeling a bit down, Mm, right? mm, mm. And so with what we're all going through globally and collectively, getting through some pretty serious adversity and fight or flight is just on in all of us. It's so hard, isn't it, to be able to say no to an upper Mm. when we're feeling down and sugar is such a great way of doing it. From a hormonal point of view, sugar
1: and its influence on insulin, which is the hormone you're talking referring to before, We actually have quite a lot of control over our insulin based on, you know, what we eat. Cortisol goes up, which is our stress hormone... Now, insulin and cortisol can have a bit of an inverse relationship. We can actually use sugar to try and drive temporarily cortisol down. So, you know, you stress yeah. eat, try and temporarily get the cortisol to drop down, but then you might yeah. get the sugar hangover or you get the rebound But there's of the physiological
0: explanation yeah. of why you might come up from feeling down when you eat yeah. sugar. And but even just being aware of it, we can then have the discipline to make better decisions. Yeah, yeah. So
1: as far as sugar goes in your immune system at the moment, it's a really good time to clean up your diet I think you know and again it's a process you come off it but like you were saying before too about stress eating is that when you're there at the pantry at 10 o'clock at night you might start asking
0: all right is is this hunger or is it something else or is it something else yeah yeah whenever I open the fridge door I often ask myself what is it that I really want Um, and how many people out there would be drinking every day rather than just a couple of days a week through this time that we've been locked inside yep
1: and we're going to talk about how alcohol influences the immune system as well so but yeah, as far as reducing sugar is gonna have huge benefits to you know, yep. not only your immune system, we've spoken about how you, know, you don't wanna be walking around with an immune system, so only working at a quarter of its potential. So if you think about, like I said before, the, the effects of sugar might only be temporary on your immune system, like your body rebounds. But if your daily diet, is a bit
0: crappy, mm. yeah,
1: your, your immune system's not going to be as resilient as it can.
0: Yeah. And if you focus on eating the right foods, focusing on what you should be increasing and you can be satiated from mm. really healthy, good foods, you're not going to want the sugar. I mean, there is an addiction there, but it is yeah. you will want it less if you fill your plate up with the right food, fill your pantry up with the right foods.
1: Mm. And I think that's the thing with your palate, isn't it? We've almost been trained now to go for sweet, go for sweet, go for sweet. Yeah. Like the, the savoury and, you know, a lot of the salty, a lot of Fast, those other... convenient. Yeah. 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 So we've sort of lost a lot of those other flavour profiles. Yeah. Which is why sometimes I don't want to eat like olives or, you know, have like olives and tomatoes and it's like, oh, that flavour profile is so amazing because I think you're so used to just getting bombarded with sweet all the time.
0: Do you know what also happens when I reduce sugar in my diet? My symptoms vanish
1: Mm. it could be inflammation possibly
0: Mm. and my clients do they say that when they've gotten off sugar and made Mm. it a thing um some like pain in the body some pretty serious um you know symptoms that people go through with all sorts of different diseases can improve so much just from removing sugar from your diet yeah yeah and i think most people know that too so and i think it's more
1: okay well, well what do i do and that's where there's some really cool you know diet books out there Dr Libby Weaver, she's got some fantastic books that a lot of my clients have, you know, gone out and bought of their she's own amazing. accord, yeah, and come back and oh I'm doing this and this and this and they're loving the food yep. and look at MasterChef and a lot of these other shows that are on TV. Now there's some really cool ways that you can, you know, you can get funky and fun with your cooking as well.
0: Absolutely. So it's, there's
1: there's a lot out there just to yeah, but She's her books probably, or her books are probably the main feedback I get from my clients that, that seem to work. She and stand makes the she test breaks down the
0: information and makes it really easy to understand. Yeah, cool. with really great tips, and I think increasing good fats mm-hmm. helps to create. That's what I'm like. You get cravings.
1: your you get your flavor profile to change, yeah. and that can take. That's why it can take a couple of weeks to kick the sugar habit. True. Yeah, yeah. And that's what do they say? Like sugar's, you know, it works like a drug in your brain as well. Mm. So I don't know if you know what's more potent, sugar or cocaine. But that's what
0: they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So
1: there's a lot of yeah, a lot of potency in sugar. So that sort of brings me to the next question that I had as well is well, what about honey? Mm. So honey is really interesting too, because honey still is a sugar. So if you're having white bread, honey on toast every morning, that may not be the best option. But when we talk about honey medicinally, that can be a different thing. So a lot of people might be familiar with uh, like manuka honey. What's the difference? So I think when we look at the medicinal honeys, they've got a lot more like well, medicinal properties in there. So say antibacterial properties. So that's why they can be really cool, you know, when people use them like in a drink. So it might be, you know, lemon, ginger, honey in a warm drink for a sore throat or something I do that all the time. And I have a bit
0: of Manuka honey. Uh, Is the difference in the sugar profile different with a Manuka honey uh, medicinal version rather than just a honey honey version without the Manuka?
1: Probably not. Like, I mean, I don't think the difference would be, you know, would be great enough, but the... Where the significance is, is in those medicinal properties.
0: And they um, uh, enhance um, the reason to take it. Yeah. So like the antibacterial properties of it that you might be
1: using. And so if you're using it medicinally short term,
0: amazing. So in a hot drink, for example, rather than spreading it over your toast. Yeah. I would say that's
1: probably a better way to do it. (laughs) Yeah. But just, yeah, when you're using it medicinally, it's very different to using it um, like as an everyday spread. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I, one of the interesting things too is when you look at a lot of uh, things like honey, peanut butter, um, jam. There's a lot of studies where what you know, say it's like, well, the recommended dose might be say a teaspoon, but everyone's version of a teaspoon. Was very very different. So, yeah. like a teaspoon of peanut butter was stacked sixteen yeah. stories high. Yeah. That was like, well, no, that's actually like three tablespoons of peanut butter. Oh no, yeah. no, it's a teaspoon. Yeah. So I think a lot of people's visual, like, very subjective. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's why weighing foods and things sometimes is more accurate because, uh, yeah, I think our. You know, scooped or heaped teaspoons yes. are obviously a lot more than what you think.
0: And maybe if it's better for you medicinally, it's also because you're only going to be using honey um, way less times um, and frequency than you would if you were just um, having it on, you know, with food every mm, day. Mm. You, you'll probably pop it in tea a few times when you're feeling unwell and yep. then you'll stop using it. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So I think, yeah, medicinal honey, amazing. And it's it's don't worry so much about the sugar profile if it's used in those for, moments yeah, for boosting your health and your immune system.
0: Yeah, getting rid of that sore throat, yeah. whatever. Yeah.
1: So that brings me on to the next one, which is alcohol. Mm. So this is uh this has always been the interesting, you know, culturally and for a lot of different reasons, the more challenging thing when you're helping people change their diet and lifestyle. So alcohol is one of those ones that people tend to hold on to. Yeah. You know? And I think that's because People use alcohol for stress management, coping mechanism. Yep, and you know, you think at the moment people might be drinking more because of you know the stress part of it. I reckon smoking would be very similar to that. Yeah, absolutely. Boredom is another one. Mm. I'm home. There's not much else to do. Just must be five o'clock somewhere. See, I can't
0: imagine being bored. (laughs) Always something to do. I just yeah. I don't. I think. I think. I think it's more. Sometimes correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe it's more about. Being um, not, not knowing how to sit within ourselves comfortably mm. because then stuff that we've been suppressing comes up then, but we call it boredom. Yep. I don't want to be bored. I'm bored. But are you bored yeah, yeah. or is it something else? Or are you agitated? Or are you just, yeah, is stuff mm. coming up for you because there's more space mm. in your mind, in your house, more time yep. that we are all having now, which is an opportunity to transform. I'm not going to deviate because that's a rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, 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 it's, yeah it is. It's, I was actually about to go into some meditation stuff then, but I thought no, no, we'll leave that yeah. one. No, keep the on other track. one with
0: um, the <laughs> other
1: one with alcohol as well, and especially now as you know the social interaction starts to kick in
0: now. Oh yeah.
1: So yeah. So yeah, it's
0: a, we all want to socialize and yeah, yeah. yeah like tomorrow's get um, on it. Friday night. Yeah. It's like potentially the first opportunity to to catch up with some friends. Yeah. And there's a lot of benefits in that too. So Of course. Definitely. I
1: would never, ever say don't drink alcohol. No. Um, But it's that old sort of, it's like, you know, it's like eat a healthy
0: diet. And the same thing with alcohol, drink in moderation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when it's associated with joy, joy can literally change the direction of your pathways in your body as to whether it's going for growth and repair. Yep. Or survival and stress.
1: Well, you probably know that when you have that, you know, when you might have that first glass of alcohol and you just feel that diffusion in your body, the, you know, yeah. it just has that, you know, and you just feel oh, everything yeah. start to chill. Yeah. Because you know, that's it works on a lot of neuro, neurotransmitter receptors like GABA, which reduces anxiety. So I can imagine why it would be helpful for that, some people. That's at a the herb
0: moment. naturopaths prescribe, isn't it?
1: The Well, GABA's GABA is the, the neurotransmitter or a, um, like an amino acid, yeah, that it can yeah. be prescribed, yeah. But yeah. there actually are a lot of herbs like... Passion flower yep. and some others that actually work on those GABA receptors as well. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I'll say with alcohol is much like what we're talking about before. Beware of the sugar content. Mm. If you're drinking, you know, like what are those mixed drinks like? Your, you know, your like your bourbon and coke yeah, or yeah, those sort of things because you're getting a huge influx of sugar. As well. Yeah. So that's where, like, you've got dry wines or you might have sweet wines, red wines, all have different sugar profiles. Red
0: wine's better for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. From,
1: from, a, from
0: a sugar, sugar point, point of view. Of view. And yeah. an antioxidant point of view. I don't yeah. even know. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot
1: of the times, you know, if you, you, know, you have a few bourbon and Cokes or whatever it might be, rum and Cokes, you're yeah. getting a... a you know, what do you get in a, I've got to remember now, I think there's something like seven teaspoons of sugar or more, seven to ten teaspoons, like in a can of, say, soft
0: drink. Yeah, I see those things on the wall when I at, at a doctor's yeah. surgery where they could give examples of how much sugar is in, all yep. those different things. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah.
1: So a lot of the times alcohol is accompanied by large sugar intakes. Yeah. So that's going to have obviously an effect on your immune system, but you sort of don't want that double whammy because when you're sort of looking at what, Alcohol does. It depletes our zinc, which we're mm-hmm. going to talk about, you know, how that's a real sort of immune hero. It depletes our B vitamins, which is maybe why people need a barocca you know, the next
0: day, which <laughs> yeah, is there you go. give
1: you back your bounce. It
0: affects our um,
1: gut microbes. Yep. yep. So it affects, yeah, your gut microbiome. And like we said before, 70% of your immune system's in your gut.
0: And your serotonin. Yep. Yep, so yeah. It makes yeah. you
1: happy. Yep, so you've got a lot of those things there where alcohol can be a bit of a double whammy. So again, it's just educating you on what it does. Yep. Um, and I would be saying that if you're using alcohol for stress management, you know, there's a lot of other things you could do to start to...
0: Yeah. yeah, or maybe that's a sign, hey, yeah. there's something there to look at and transform. For sure. So if you feel like you need a drink at the end of the day... It's cool. Don't worry. Don't be hard on yourself about it. But just know, okay, this is a sign that I might need to do some work on myself. So I thought
1: next we'd probably talk about some of my sort of immune heroes. Because one of the questions I always get is like, what can I take? And there's a lot of things that we can add into our diet that are going to help with our immune resilience. And possibly if we do get a cold or a flu there are some things that you can look at taking that can reduce the severity, the duration and all that sort of stuff that can be really helpful to again, get you back to you know, operating at your best. Yeah. If you're thinking about taking any of these in supplement form, always speak to your practitioner, work out your immune blueprint that's gonna work best for you. Yeah. Um, or if you are buying say something from a pharmacy or wherever it might be over the, over the counter, Always just go with the recommended dosages. Because and ask th-
0: the pharmacist there yeah. for their yeah. advice too. Like a
1: lot of people mega dose a lot of vitamins when it comes to... And that can know. be detrimental. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Let's have a talk about vitamin C first because I actually think that's probably the one that most people probably go to yeah. when they think about colds and flus and things immune that are going to help their immune system, yeah. that are going to help them. So one of the cool things about vitamin C is it increases those white blood cells. So it increases our army. We've got more soldiers. We can get out and do more things or clear pathogens our immune system can. So that's why I think vitamin C gets, you know, such a positive rap when it comes to our immune system. It also speeds up that white blood cell activity so they can move about faster and do their thing. So I think that's where the it will reduce the severity and the duration of a cold comes from. So if you see that sort of benefit that it might talk about. So that's the way that it does it. If you've been sort of battling something and you sort of want to try and get your immune system back on track, this is where taking vitamin C can be super helpful. Yeah. And I always recommend it taking it in divided doses throughout the day. Yeah. So don't do like a big mega dose once a day. Because your tummy probably can't handle it, mm. you're better off to do divided doses and let your cells take it up.
0: How much should you take a day? Uh, usually, I think the
1: recommendation when you're when you're uh, ill is probably around that 1,000 to 2,000 um, milligrams a day. So you maybe do like 1,000 in the morning, 1,000 yeah, at night. Yeah, yeah. And and that's pretty good for bowel tolerance too because that's the mm. issue with vitamin C. They always say take it to bowel tolerance. Yeah. So everyone could be a bit different because your body could just suck up that vitamin C. I've had people that have come to me and said, oh, I took 5,000 or 10,000 milligrams and they were fine. And I was like, cool. Well, your body obviously needed to, to suck it up and use it. And we go back to the sugar... Uh, let's give your white blood cells the opportunity to suck up the vitamin C and not have all that space taken up with sugar. Yeah, <laughs> so there's a there's a good one too. So another good reason if you want to take your vitamin C, make sure mm. your sugar's low too. You'll get better absorption, which is really cool.
0: Great advice.
1: So you can still get it from food. So if you if you're not sick and you just want to make sure your vitamin C stores are are good, you can probably just do it through food. So, most people probably think oranges are good, you know, things like papayas, peppers, strawberries, goji yeah, red berries. Yeah, I've
0: yep. always got that in my head for vitamin C, yep. citrus fruits. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. So, you
1: can still just add those into your diet if you just want to have it as part of like an ongoing wellness program. Yeah. Which is really cool. So, yeah, that gives you a bit of an idea of how vitamin C works. And, you know, like I said, you want more soldiers, you want a bigger army can help you clear those pathogens quicker.
0: So that's a good advice when you're ill. And then so what about prevention? Um, Like, for example, during this time, a lot of people would be taking supplements to prevent getting sick. Um, What would be the differences in dosages for prevention versus when you're ill?
1: Yeah, you probably only need just to look at what the, you know, the RDIs are or, you know, so you don't need to mega dose. Yeah, that's what I mean. There's no Mm. point in taking you know, 5,000 milligrams of...
0: And you don't need to take vitamin C every day ongoing, no. No, no, no. And I think,
1: but if you can get it in through your diet with some of those things I was talking about, yeah. 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 So yeah, you're right. That's that's the one point I try and make to people as well is that when you are trying to, you know, get on top of something, that's very different to just like a a general wellness program. Yeah. 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 And I think a lot of people have been mega dosing stuff at the moment just out of fear. Yeah. So I've had a lot of conversations with people. Oh, I've been taking blah, blah, blah. I said, no, whoa, 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 whoa. Like just let's back it off and let's just put you back into, you know, what your body actually needs. Yeah. So the next one I wanted to talk about was vitamin D. Mm. This is one that's getting a lot more press. Yep. Like, you know, most people come to me now with vitamin D
0: blood tests. There's more and more research that shows that vitamin D is, you know, great for our immune system, our nervous system. I see so many MS articles on this. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well, actually, again, with the mega dosing. Mm. So
1: the body uses vitamin D to produce antimicrobial peptides. Yep. So that's really good because it gives us all those antimicrobial goodies in our body to go out and fight off pathogens. Yes. So it helps our immune system that way. And it also just increases your general immune resilience, which is a good thing. So you just have a a more robust, stronger immune system if your vitamin D stores are optimal. Yes. Now, one of the interesting things is, is that when we want to get vitamin D, we actually need it when the sun is at its highest. So like between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Yep. is the ideal time to try and get out there in the sun. So that's why getting out on your morning tea for a walk or getting out at lunchtime to get some sun can be really helpful. So yes. the time is really important. And that's also in the warmer months as well. As the we get into more of these winter months, it gets a lot harder to try and get the vitamin D from the sun.
0: What about foods? What foods would you up for vitamin D? Yeah,
1: yeah. So when it comes to your, to your foods... It's a lot more challenging probably than what you'd get from the, from the sun. But things like... This is where a lot of those paleo-y type uh, recommendations come into it because things like grass-fed butter, fatty fish, egg yolks, cod liver oil, all of those sort of things are where we get our vitamin D from, I think even from liver as well. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So, But ideally, we want to try and get it in from the sun if we can. So we want to try and get our vitamin D stores up as much as we can during summer yeah. or the warmer months, and then we take those stores into winter. Yes, because it can, you know it's fat soluble, so it can store there in the tissues.
0: Yeah, I wonder why whether that's related to why people that live in colder climates tend to have more multiple sclerosis diagnosis. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah.
1: if that you know if if it's Less affecting sun. the immune system. Yeah, in a lot of different ways. You know, and there's also that. Um, what's it called? Seasonal affective disorder. You know, the SAD, so people who get more the winter blues.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. And I think that's very much related to, to yeah. vitamin D as well. So if you've ever had your blood test, you know, you don't necessarily have to worry about the, the, the intricacies of it too much, but usually 50 is that number that you want it above. But that's sort of like the cutoff. You really want it like up into like 100, 125 in the summer months. So you've actually got some stores to take you into winter. Yes. Yeah, so you don't want to be going in at borderline at at wintertime. You actually want some good vitamin D stores so it actually can protect and support you throughout those winter months.
0: Makes sense. Yeah, yeah.
1: And look, I think a lot of the other studies I've read on vitamin D too, that the higher it is, it seems to be the better your longevity is. So it seems to be one of those things that's, you know, that's really important.
0: Well, it's just really important to get away in winter then, isn't it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, well, (laughs) that's why people (laughs)
1: do. Like all your grey nomads in their caravans that escape Melbourne and go up to Queensland, Yeah. yeah, to get into the warmer months. Absolutely. Now is a good time to monitor your vitamin D status. So like it's May as we record this, we're in autumn, we're moving into winter. So that's where you might look at, You know, if you did need to supplement for whatever reason, you can do the blood test, you can see where your stores are at and then you can obviously make a good informed decision Yes. from that blood work. Great. So obviously, you know, a lot of people working from home now, not getting outside as much. It's a good time just to think about your vitamin D stores. Mm. Yeah, cool. So let's go on to vitamin A. So one of the things I love about vitamin A is that it helps us produce antibodies. Yeah. So one of the really cool things about antibodies is that they help us deal with a pathogen the next time it comes around or we're exposed to it. So either A, we don't get sick at all, or B, we don't get as sick as we did the first time. Wow. So, so that's where our antibodies are really cool to have, yeah. and vitamin A helps us with that So like developing those antibodies. Like a memory. Yeah. So they also help with our, uh, I've got to pronounce it again, properly. the epithelial tissues and our mucous membranes. It helps with the integrity of those things. Okay. Think about all your mucous membranes, you know, that are involved with your immune system and things like that because they're our first line of defence. I wonder
0: why that's why it's very um, predominant in skincare conversations.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I Mm. think even a lot of people um, like with acne and things like that, I think, yeah. So vitamin A, yeah. So that 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 integrity of the membranes yeah Yeah. which is
0: all cells but our skin very much so there's vitamin a serums
1: yeah and your skin's like an organ too Remember, that's like your we need this video because i'm like my hands are going everywhere (laughs) your you know your skin's also that barrier protection between you and the environment yeah it's the largest organ of the body because if you think about you know a lot of the the general recommendations for your immune system at the moment like it's personal hygiene yeah like how important personal hygiene is.
0: And even do you think that we can over hygiene and that's detrimental for our gut health? Do you think that we can overwash our hands? But I guess we have no choice at the moment. It's really important to wash your hands. Wash your hands. I'm not saying don't wash your hands. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Definitely yeah. wash your hands. Yeah, that, what was that saying? Like the debt-old generation where we'd sort of <laughs> yeah. gone to becoming Well, that's pure. what I mean yeah. is like when do we overdo it and i've read dr um chutkan robin chutkan talks about in her gut health book how um, hand sanitizer and some of the ingredients in some of them it make is detrimental to our gut microbes. Mm. Oh, definitely.
1: When I was using the uh, hand sanitizer a couple of months ago in clinic, the one I was using, you'd almost feel like a burning in your hands yeah. at the end of the day. So, I mean, I've changed over to another one now that's a lot better for my hands. There are better ones, yeah, that yeah, don't yeah. have
0: this specific... I can't remember the ingredient that she spoke about, but her book is called The Microbiome Diet and she talks about mm. it. Mm. Yeah, there's a particular ingredient that's... Um, the research can be detrimental to gut health. Yeah, but yeah. obviously at the at, at the moment with, um, you know... Managing viruses, it's more important to wash your hands. Um, oh, absolutely. And, and soap and water yep. is, you know, does does the job. Yeah. No, personal hygiene was,
1: it's funny how, like, a lot of people seem to forget how important personal hygiene was.
0: Yes. But I mean,
1: I think about me as a kid, though, like, I was in creeks all the time, fishing, hunting, like, the amount of stuff that, like, you my were body was come to. Yeah. And yeah, never got sick. Yeah, of Because sort of, of that. Yeah. So there's also that, um, like, exposure therapy they talk mm. about. So you build resilience by, you know, Interacting with certain things as well, so yeah. your immune system. Like again, it develops antibodies. Antibodies, and exactly. Yep. That's what I was. Saying. But you're right. Yeah, you don't want to live in a bubble. I don't think living in a no. bubble is necessarily the the mm. way to go either.
0: Yeah, just go with your gut. Yeah, <laughs> Excuse absolutely. the pun. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, we spoke a bit about vitamin A there. And now, mm. if you've ever taken cod liver oil, I spoke a bit about that before. That's got the natural form of vitamin A in it, which was very much a traditional. Re- re- remedy for a long 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 time yeah yeah you know yeah. it doesn't necessarily taste amazing but there are some odorless capsules and things you can get now yeah, it doesn't but taste i just remember that i remember my kids when i used to give it to my kids and they'd have it until i reckon they were maybe 12 18 months and then it was like yeah nah, i'm out of yeah. here like, no more <laughs> thank you but it's one of those ones and i remember my wife banned fish oil in the house because the kids would get that sort of burping or the regurgitation to be over their bibs, <laughs> and, and it just stink, and you couldn't get rid of it. So, yeah. so fish oil got banned there for a while. I understand, but but yeah, cod liver oils, yeah, been a traditional remedy for for a very good reason. Um, but you can also get vitamin A from from eating liver, from carrots, from spinach. Uh, I think you know the interesting thing about liver is that most people probably don't eat it these days unless it's in a pate, and you'd mm. probably want to have a pretty good ethically sourced organic mm. animal, you know, because the liver is going to absorb a lot of the toxins. So you want to make sure you get a good quality liver too. Definitely. Canning's butchers are pretty good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but yeah, but liver is definitely one of those things that, you know, a lot of these sort of fat soluble vit- vitamins are, are very high in. Yeah. So yeah, there's vitamin A. So I reckon vitamin A is definitely worth thinking about. Now, one of vitamin A's besties is zinc. Yep. So you need zinc in order for vitamin A to be able to get around the body and do its thing as well. Yep. So they work together, and that's the thing with a lot of things. Like taking one vitamin in isolation, or focusing on one vitamin in isolation, isn't always the best thing either. Nothing works in isolation. No. Yeah.
0: Exactly, it's always a connected. <laughs> Talking force.
1: about life at the moment, yeah, yeah. nothing works in isolation.
0: Bring it all in. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> true, and because we do isolate topics and categories, and and yeah, there are isolated components of everything to talk about. But yeah, always in the end, that bird's eye view of how does it all work together is how you make the magic happen. Yeah. Yep.
1: So you've got two sort of sides to your immune system. You've got your innate immune system and then you've got your adaptive immune system. And that's what we're talking about before about when you get exposed to things and you develop resilience and your immune system gets stronger. So zinc is needed for both of these branches of your immune system to function properly. So if we've got a zinc deficiency, which can be quite common because a lot of these minerals are depleted in the soil. So we probably don't get them in the levels that we used to. So it's interesting like you might find that a zinc deficiency could probably be a bit more common at different you know different stages of our life than you know what you might think because a lot of people think oh no I don't have any immune oh, sorry I don't have any nutrient deficiencies but you would probably be surprised like at times when your body needs things if you actually got enough of it there to to do what it needs to do
0: Yeah well Dr Libby Weaver talks about I remember in one of her lectures I love her work um, for young boys and stinky feet and zinc.
1: I thought you were going to say something completely different then, but like <laughs> I was. I was gonna say? Well, I, I think we can – no, no, you go on with your thing first now. Yeah,
0: is there a relationship between zinc and young boys and their hormones and then um, how apparent some young boys can have stinky feet and if you up their zinc, this goes away? Is this true? No, I never heard that, but okay. that's really cool. I, okay. I, I might be wrong, but I remember that's um, a cure I think for that stinky was feet. one of the yeah conversations of how to balance hormones, particularly in young growing boys. Yeah.
1: No, what I was actually going to say um, was that when a man ejaculates, he actually depletes zinc as well. Oh right. So well, when of course you started, I thought you were talking about teenage boys. Oh yeah, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, I, I suppose they would um, secrete multi many nutrients, or is it just zinc predominantly
1: oh, for the feet?
0: No, 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 for ejaculation. Oh, um, I no, I think zinc was
1: more one of the more predominant ones. In I
0: wonder it. why that is.
1: Yeah, maybe it's needed for immune systems, sperm cells, DNA, you know, all those sort of things. Oh, yeah. All the cofactors of what's needed to to give life and make life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I thought you you were going to tell me that teenage boys are are quite zinc deficient.
0: No, 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 just (laughs) sticky feet.
1: (laughs) So one of the things um, as well is that zinc's antiviral, so that's why it's really common in a lot of those natural natural medicine formulas um, and the cold and flu type formulas. Because, again, a bit like vitamin C is that, it definitely can help reduce the symptoms and the severity of a lot of your colds and flus. Yeah. So that's why zinc's really cool. Another thing too is that zinc gets really rapidly depleted from stress. Yeah. So if you think about not even just now that most people are quite – Highly strung, agitated, going mm. a lot faster than probably what they need to. So we, you
0: know, you might be churning through a lot more of your zinc. Well, obviously, bees because we're often prescribed a B complex when we're stressed. Mm, mm. Is uh, zinc um, is zinc predominantly in a complex B supplement?
1: No, not usually. You probably get it more in a multi. But yeah, like one of my. Favourites, like my trifecta is, you know, B vitamins, zinc, magnesium. Yeah. You know, that's like my my holy grail of the... Stress. Because they're just so needed for a lot of things. Yeah. You know, at night. So zinc and magnesium are often being used as a good sleep stack for a lot of people.
0: So this is oysters.
1: Food-wise, yeah.
0: Mussels. Yep.
1: Beef. Meats, yep. yeah, a lot of that sort of stuff. You're going to get it more. It's more concentrated in the proteins for yep. sure. Yeah, some nuts and seeds, but yeah, you're going to get much higher doses from, Spinach. like you said, the oysters. Uh, there probably would be, but not as in a higher doses, like you're talking about with more your oysters. Protein, yep, more proteins. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so yeah, so zinc's also needed as it for neurotransmitter function, which when we're talking about you know B vitamins and things like that before. So we need neurotransmitters to help modulate our brain's response to stress which is really important. Yeah, And what's really interesting is the highest levels of zinc in the body are found in the hippocampus, oh. which is our like where our learning and memory takes place. Do yes. so you know when you think about when you're stressed and you're trying to recall information and yep. oh, what the hell was I thinking about again? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously we need a lot of zinc in there too to help for that. To ha-
0: make that yeah. happen.
1: So I thought that was a really interesting fact too. Yeah. Yeah, so we spoke about some foods then, which is really good. So that sort of brings us to the end of those key nutrients. So those sort of immune heroes. So you've got vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin D, and zinc. Mm. Definitely get them in through foods if you can. Yep. If you feel like you're trying to fight off a cold or something like that, you can definitely investigate using them, you know, for immune support to, you know, reduce the symptoms as well as help you try and get over it a bit quicker too. And just know that outside of that, you probably don't need to megadose.
0: Yep. great great advice
1: so let's move on to stress management Mm, juicy so this is huge Mm. so stress management's influence on the on the immune system is actually quite big you know we spoke before a bit about cortisol and insulin and all these little balancing acts we try and do to manage ourselves but when it comes to stress i want you to think about is there's acute stress Mm. and there's chronic stress okay do you sort of have a bit of an idea, you know, what you'd think of as an idea of like yeah, acute stress I versus would chronic say stress?
0: Acute stress is something you you might be stressed about that doesn't impact you that much. It's significant, but it's not that significant. Whereas chronic stress might be going on for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. Like
1: you might have a busy day, busy workload, accumulate short deadlines. Yeah, there's your acute stress or you know some sort of situation arose that you get over yeah, yeah. but like yeah. you said the chronic stress is is more the ongoing and it's the the real danger is the chronic stress or
0: trauma absolutely
1: know? yeah well that's that's definitely doesn't have to
0: be ongoing trauma can just happen but it's yep. so impactful and deep
1: yeah and the yeah. trauma probably creates the chronic stress yeah absolutely So when we talk about people being stressed out all the time, if someone says, oh, I'm just stressed out all the time, that's more chronic stress. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: so that's what we were sort of getting at before. Mm. Like I said, it's this chronic stress that's the real problem. So what it actually does from a brain point of view is that it actually shrinks like there's atrophy of our amygdala Mm. And our hippocampus. Now, we spoke just before about the hippocampus with learning and memory. Yes. So that shrinks.
0: How we recall information, how we think back to old um, situations that help us deal with what we're doing now, how we repress old memories from childhood if we don't want to think about them. So that's hippocampus. And then amygdala is how we deal with our emotions, right? Yeah. Well, what it does
1: is that it dysregulates our fear conditioning. Mm. So what happens is everything can be a bit more scary. We can be a bit more on edge.
0: Amplified fear. Yeah, Yeah.
1: So you don't have this recall to your brain to create solutions no like regulation. you normally would. Yeah. yeah. And then you've, you've got a heightened response to everything as well. So this is
0: not only important for just everyday stress and human interactions with our personal lives and within ourselves. This is also for performance. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you can't think, you can't recall the information...
1: You can't get that optimal performance and that flow state and, and what it is and you want to do. And innovation,
0: creativity, and problem solving. Absolutely, yeah.
1: You're not going to have access to those parts of your brain. Higher thinking,
0: yep. leadership,
1: gonna, all yep. that. You're going to be thinking about survival. How do I get out of this? Yeah. You know, it's more of a quick, immediate. You're going to do what response. everybody
0: else is doing. You're going to play small. You're yep. not going to be, you know, playing to your biggest potential. Yep.
1: So what happens is these amygdala and hippocampus, you know, these areas get activated. And they feed into what's called our HPA axis, which is our hypothalamus, pituitary, and adrenal axis. Now, this is our stress response system. So this is our nervous system. This is where adrenaline gets released and cortisol gets released and all those sort of things. So they're getting input going, hey, we're under attack, you know, be on high alert. So the body goes, okay, right. And we all of a sudden get into this what we call hypervigilance.
0: Yeah. So everything starts to feel really stressful. Basically, it took me so many lessons and um, studies to get to, to understand this process. But the way I grasp it is there are main um, glands in your brain that are in charge of the flow of how your hormones are yep. excreted. Yep. That's Absolutely. kind of how I explain the HPA. Yeah. And um, there's the other one as well, the gonad one. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you've also got your thyroid one as well. Yeah, The different axes. So like you said, your adrenals are actually following orders from your brain. Yep. So, like I said, that amygdala and hippocampus and message into the hypothalamus, they're in charge. And it sends yeah. the messages and hey, adrenals produce more adrenaline. We got to run away.
0: Yeah. So if you've got hormone issues going on, like if you go and see a practitioner or a kinesiologist, they would, you know, reverse engineer it probably back to the control center of your brain.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's when it comes back to like we're talking about with stress management, how important it is. Yep. So that's like, when then we start to get these nervous system changes. So we become impatient, we might become frazzled really easy, or we're agitated Unkind. really easy. Because everything's on high alert.
0: Yeah, we forget to how to be joyful as well. Yeah. And that yep. becomes familiar.
1: And well, that's exactly right. Like this chronically stressed has become like a standard way of being. Yep. You know, what you were talking before about just like when you're talking about food, and it's just like, oh, I just feel that way all the time. Yep. So it's like walking around in these chronically stressed, highly agitated, you know, well, states.
0: It becomes familiar and, and when we're scared or going through something or experiencing trauma or we're unsure about what's going on in our lives at the moment, our brain will go to the safest way of what it knows, even if it's a pain pathway. Mm, as long yeah. as they say, oh, well, I know this pain. Yep. So that's why we get stuck in the familiar of feeling crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or why my people might stay in their job for even though they have ten it. years. Yeah,
1: yeah. Crazy. Absolutely. So what happens is with this stress comes this flood of cortisol, which is a stress hormone, and adrenaline, which is another one. Yeah. So a lot of people are just running on this fuel mixture of adrenaline and cortisol every day.
0: you know it when you feel off track. Even though it's familiar and you're doing it and you don't make the changes, I reckon there is a part of our soul or something inside of us, that inner gut feeling and knowing, when you know that something's not right. Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's interesting too because adrenaline or you know, excitement and anxiety can actually sometimes feel very similar. Yeah. So, like, when I'm at the top of Mount Buller and I'm about to drop in and, and have a
0: crack... On like the summit where there's ice, yeah.
1: My son and I were actually talking about that the other day when we did that. It was a beautiful morning but it was like... Yeah, it was literally like a brick, like yeah. trying to come down there. Yeah. Um. But, you know, you've got this, there's a bit of, there's excitement, oh, I can't wait to do it, but there's a bit of anxiety, oh, shit, what if I fall over or, you know, what if I break my
0: neck? It feels very similar, which yeah. is why some people, when they're scared of flying and they'll go, this is so exciting, this is so exciting, <laughs> this is so exciting, because they're trying to transform the anxiety into excitement. actually yeah. works
1: really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, they can chemically feel similar, mm. which is really interesting. So yeah, you really don't want to be running on this fuel mixture of adrenaline and cortisol though, because when we get this high and prolonged levels of stress, it starts to take a toll on our immune system. Yeah. So our immune system becomes weaker. Like it it starts to weaken our defenses and we become more susceptible to sickness, to illness, to, you know, pathogens and those sort of things. Yeah. So this is where it comes back to the immune system. Um, and the hormone cortisol which is more of our long term stress response so adrenaline's more like a quick short term response Yep. whereas is more like a long term response that we well, have well that makes to sense
0: because st- adrenaline yeah. would get you to jump away from the snake yeah, if you need a to, you to B. immediately yep. yeah yeah
1: yeah and then that should be over and and off you go you get on with your life but then we end up with this cortisol that's high levels in the bloodstream and that's the one that has the immunosuppressive effect on the immune system okay so we want to try and keep our cortisol as, as low as possible and this is something I um, I really love the the Dutch test, which is a like a hormone test. Yeah. Um, and it, the one thing I love about it um, is that it tests your cortisol and your cortisone. Mm-hmm. Now, cortisol is the active hormone, and then the body can choose to if we have got too much cortisol, it can actually deactivate it to cortisone,
0: mm. which
1: is an inactive version of the hormone. Mm. Then if we need some more for whatever reason, it can activate it and bring it back in again. So it's it's like a balancing mechanism. So obviously if it's in balance, it works perfectly. Yeah. But what can happen with a lot of people is after all of this really long-term stress that we have in these high cortisol levels, your body wants to get you to slow down. Yeah. So it goes, hey, enough, 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 enough. So it's going to start to inactivate that cortisol into cortisone. Yeah. That makes sense? Yep. Yeah. Because it's trying to get you to be inactive. And it what does cortisone to...
0: do that to, that helps you to become more inactive?
1: What does it do? Yeah, yeah. So how does it affect the body? So what it's actually doing is it's trying to get you to heal. Yeah. So it will make you feel more tired. It will yep. make you probably want to go, you know, rest.
0: So that's where the um, fatigue might come in yep. or your body might talk to you in, you know, in ways of feeling pain in your body. Yeah. So it stops yep. you um, it might, you know, create any symptom that, you know, that helps you to slow down. Like, that's what I really believe symptoms can be. But that's what happens when
1: we get sick. You're supposed to remove yourself from your tribe to protect them. Yeah. So, you know, you remove yourself, you go into isolation, you know, you recover so you don't spread it to your family or to your workplace or whatever it is. Mm. So it's a protective mechanism. It's like, okay, we need to slow down to heal. Yeah. But the biggest issue is like, if you've been burning that candle at both ends and you just keep going and going and going, going, your body's going to go, all right, enough's enough. And it's going to start yeah. to deactivate that because it's going to, we can't keep going the way we are. So it starts deactivating the cortisol because it wants you to actually to slow
0: down. Well, that's also it all comes down to what we believe. So if you become very fixated on needing to be successful or needing to get that promotion at work or needing, you know, you're so fixated on on um, whatever emotion is attached to the elevation of cortisol, mm. um, then simply by having a shift in your mindset about how you feel about that with a fresh new perspective yep. is connected to a shift in the biochemistry in your body, yep. which is how your mind and body are connected and how your emotions and controlling them yep. and being more aware of them so that you can transform them can actually transform your health. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's another thing with um, cortisol as well is that if you can't get out of bed in the morning... yeah. That's, so you've got this thing called the cortisol awakening response. Like you wake up in the morning, you open up the curtain, the sunlight comes in, body produces cortisol, goes, cool, let's get on with the day.
0: Yeah. Gets you up. Naturally, so So, yeah. so
1: cortisol naturally, like you get melatonin at night, that gets you off to sleep. In the morning sort of from about four o'clock, I think it is, cortisol starts to slowly rise. Yeah. And then you, you wake up. Yeah. But what can happen is with people that have, you know, burnt themselves out, they end up with the body's deactivated the cortisol and they can't get out of bed
0: in the morning now. Mm. And that's a sign of like, hey, need to slow sleep. down. Yeah,
1: need to rest. So when it comes to our when it comes to the immune system, so let's say you've been sick and you don't want to take a day off work or you want to get back as quick as you can, mm. what can happen is that we get back to work or on with life sooner than we should, and we're exhausted. Yeah. And then the illness hangs around for, like, a month. Lingers. Like, oh, I yeah. just feel like I've had this cold or i am just fatigued all the time. Because you didn't do the rest, your body needed to heal a bit longer. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's that, what is it, you know, there's an um, like a cold and flu formula that you can buy that tells you to soldier on. Yeah. Like there's that, you know, there's that mindset of just soldier on. Yeah. Whereas sometimes you might just need an extra couple of days to heal.
0: Yeah. We just wear badges of honour, don't we, with how busy we are or how much, how resilient we are. You know, some people's definition of resilience is to grind and hustle and keep going. I disagree. Yeah, absolutely. So rest and recovery
1: is one of the best things that you can do for your immune system. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's all dependent on the situation. Sometimes it is good to soldier on, but sometimes it's not. Mm. And I think bringing into your awareness what is driving you to keep going when you know you should slow down is really important. So, this is like what you can do about it. Um, and then, when you bring in that awareness of what is blocking you, what's holding you back, what's creating that long term stress, what's avoiding you from changing the behavior you know you need to change in order to be able to bring yourself to slow down and do what's mm. right for you. Yeah. And with awareness comes responsibility. And with responsibility, Responsibility comes choice. Yep. And so when you are aware of what's holding you back, you can then take all the necessary steps to take responsibility because we are in charge. We have a choice. Yeah. In fact, every choice either empowers us or disempowers us. And, um, and it's very empowering to know, oh, I can do this. I can change... Um, I can clean up my mindset rituals. I can eat the right food. I can change my environment. And that's very empowering. And that's what I think responsibility is all about. And then from there, we can reset and rewire the brain. I just explained my change model. Cool. Yeah. Reassess with awareness, responsibility, and then reset and rewire the brain. And that's how we can create new habits that are aligned with boosting the immune system, happiness and health, um, because it is our behaviors that um, drive us to get mm. stressed out um, and our lack of um, ability to believe that we can change them.
1: Absolutely. So in order to, you know, to avoid this burnout that we were talking about before, one of the best antidotes that you can have to stress is nature. So yeah. if we've got high cortisol levels, you know, and we want to try and balance them out, nature immersion is fantastic.
0: Yeah. You know the old sayings like
1: go and hug a tree? Yeah. Like that actually has like scientific validity to back it up. You're
0: connecting to source, you're connecting to, you know, this is why real whole foods in their yeah, most yeah. natural form are probably the best for us because it's, it keeps that essence, that energy that is life force.
1: A lot of people go, well, how much time do I need in nature? There's a really amazing study that tracked salivary cortisol. So they do saliva profiles of, of people's cortisol hormone at various points over an eight week period after the participants had been in nature a study showed that just 20 to 30 minutes of sitting or walking in a place that provides you with a sense of nature was the ideal duration to effectively lower cortisol levels yeah so that's not that long that's just lunch break morning tea break whatever it might be go yeah. out find a place that provides you with a sense of nature beautiful now that reduces our cortisol levels yeah great it's free easy to do yeah but here's the kicker the benefits were only derived when participants avoided the use of social media, the internet and phone calls and did not read or converse while enjoying their surroundings. Of
0: course, because you need to stay in Nature state. immersion,
1: yeah. yeah. That, so it's not like don't sort of have your iPhone up and do a vlog while here I am walking <laughs> through nature today, hit like.
0: So you don't tell everyone how amazing you were in nature. No, just know it yourself. Don't take a selfie. Just know it yourself. (laughs) Hey, that's a cool soak.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that comes back to what even you said at the start as well about being comfortable just being with yourself. Yeah. I've had those moments. When I was a kid, I used to spend so much time in nature. Mm. And even recently I I bought a fishing kayak and I used to go out into the rivers and out into the bay and I'd, I'd go fishing. And I remember once I was on a river and it was so quiet, like there wasn't a sound and you almost like crap your dacks, like, because it was, it was like, whoa, where are we? It was like there was this whole dimensional shift of like there was no noise. Wow. You were just out there. just. I mean, that's that nature immersion. Yeah. It's almost like your nervous system freaks out going, what's going on? Yeah. Total <laughs> silence. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was just that moment of total science. A science? Silence. <laughs> silence. Wow. I love that. So again, tapping into this nature immersion during your lunch break can be amazing because you've also got that, the sun in the right position, you get some vitamin D, you get a bit of exercise, yeah. but make sure you unplug. That's yeah. one of the main important things. Yeah. You know, that's where you're gonna get that healing power. Yeah. So the next one's exercise. So again, we're talking about a lot of this cortisol sort of stuff and, and boosting the immune system, but you actually only need about 20 minutes of exercise as well of like moderate sort of having a crack exercise that can reduce your cortisol by 30%. Yeah. Which is really cool. So we're talking about the stress has happened for the day, you can actually clear some of that out. Get out in nature, you know, go for, you know, after work, do some exercise and you can actually now manage your cortisol levels and your stress levels Um, Not only do you reduce your cortisol, but you boost your endorphins.
0: Yeah. I like to separate um, strength and endurance exercise with restorative exercise. So on the days where I feel good and energized and I'm not so stressed, I'll go for strength and endurance and, Mm. um, you know, really active um, exercise, interval training that gets my heart beat up and weight training, for example. But on the days where I feel really tired or or stressed about something, um, to balance my autonomic nervous system um, and I will go for more um, restorative exercise like stretching or yoga or Pilates, just something just low impact, a little bit more restorative. And I find that works really well. The good
1: thing is about the interval training that you're talking about before is that you only need sort of 20 minutes of that. So if that could be something like a, you know, there's a thing called Tabata training where you might be like 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off or whatever your work to rest ratio might be you can actually get really good benefits from even like sort of eight to 10 minutes of those sort of exercises. So you actually don't have to be exercising for 60 minutes to actually get all of those physiological benefits. When we sort of exercise, we get lots of these, you know, immuno enhancing benefits, you know, and it also does significantly lower the risk of like respiratory infections and illness and things like that because we're keeping all these pathways open. So you get this frequent exchange like between the immune cells and the blood and the tissues. So what that does is with all of this extra blood flow going through your body, you get increased immune surveillance. So what we find is that when we exercise, you know, the body can deal with the pathogens in the short term, which is really cool. But then what we find like with lifelong exercise is that it actually improves our immune system over time. So that's why, you know, like a lot of oldies, it's recommended them to get out and move because it actually does improve their immune resilience as well. Beautiful. Sleep. Sleep's important. Important. So it's really important to, sleep is when we regenerate our immune system. So if we don't get enough sleep, we can't regenerate our immune system. Yeah. So it's really, really important. So lots of cool things happen when we sleep. And obviously we're talking about the immune system today, but that's one of the main benefits as your body gets to rest, it gets to repair all of those things that we talk about. And a lot of people go, well, how much sleep do I need? I can tell you if you want a specific number, it's 7.25 hours. <laughs> But what I usually say is, you know, seven to nine hours because everyone's a bit different. If you're sick, you probably need to sleep longer, Mm. which is really important. Or if you're not sleeping enough, that can actually be an early warning sign that something might be going on as well, like anticipated stress or whatever it might be. So making sure that you're getting enough sleep to lower your inflammation, to get your cognitive repair and all those sort of things are really important. So I think the main takeaway is that Think of that seven to nine hours. You'll know what your sweet spot is. If you need to sleep more, there's probably a reason why. Mm. If you're not sleeping enough, you want to investigate why that might be too because you don't want to go through months of accruing like this sleep debt because that's not going to be amazing for your immune system either.
0: Yeah, so you want to have, um, you know, eliminate tech in your room. You want to have a really dark room. You know, fill it Sleep with, in um, a cave. Yeah, yep. like fill it with... Um, Bedding and, you know, feng shui that brings you joy. You know, yep. ri- have have a ritual where it's your sanctuary. It's yeah. where you spend half your life sleeping. Don't, wa- don't watch forensic files before bed? No. No, no, I know people that love watching um, crime <laughs> Oh, I don't know how bed. they do it. I yeah. don't
1: get it either. Which brings me on to, like, I love, um, you know, I love things like Family Guy, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I love all the comedies. Like, yeah. I need that at the end of the day. And yeah. that sort of brings into this last thing of, like, don't forget to laugh. Yeah. Like, laughing is amazing for you. Like, it actually curbs those stress hormones. It actually boosts your natural killer cells laughing as well. Yeah. But I think you need those piss-yourself moments yeah. of laughter. Like it's you a release. Need to, it's yeah, a release. you need those, like... ...have those huge releases
0: of laughter... ...like the deep belly laughing... ...because it's very similar to like breath work exercises. Mm. But it also probably really cool. sends a message to your brain... and com- ...to change its mind as to what signal it needs to yep. fire. I remember we're either in growth and repair... ...or survival and stress. And I remember when I was really stressed... ...and really unwell in my younger years... ...it was a joyful moment... ...just laughing with my mm. friends at that dinner table... ...where we just, you know... just ...just really being in the moment and laughing... That night my toe moved for the first time. Yeah, yeah, because it, it relaxes your whole body.
1: Like laughing actually, like you think yeah. of something that if you go, oh, I really need to relax my whole body. And you go, well, just laugh. Yeah. <laughs> like most people wouldn't believe you. Yeah. But laughing relaxes your whole body.
0: Yeah, because your brain then can go, oh, well, obviously we're safe so I can now prioritise yep. growth and repair and, you know, Yep. Sleep. And a bit like
1: exercise, boosts those endorphins so you feel good. And like I said before, it actually does boost immune cells which is quite amazing as well it's
0: amazing what how why we get tired we our body gets so busy just trying to protect us Mm. and that's why mindset shift can be so significant in transforming our health and boosting our immune system yeah yeah absolutely and i think laughing is one of those things
1: that can break that cycle sometimes yeah Oh, what was I stressing about again? And yeah, you just remember. let it go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let it go. So there's sort of, you know, some things that you can do to help improve your immune resilience. And, you know, they were the questions from you guys. So I hope we've given you some good answers there. So if we sort of go to wrapping up, mm. Amanda, what sort of three things that, that you recommend to people, you know, that, to help with their immune system?
0: What are your top three? My top three would be have um, a daily routine that anchors you. Um, because we do seek surety in times when we're unsure and um, and I'm just connecting the emotional link here to to um, our immune system and I love to journal and meditate in the morning. That's my daily anchor that sets me up to wash and empty my mind, particularly from the start of the day, so that I can create a fresh mindset that's more appropriate to what's actually going on in my environment rather than believing an old story that I might be stuck in or whatever. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, second tip is do less. Don't Mm. try so hard. We try so hard. We're in the hustle. We think this is the way it needs to be. Just just for the next couple of days, for the rest of the week, I challenge you all, do less, Mm. pull back and see what happens. Because in that, there needs to be, you'll find and discover that trust that might be lacking in um, your mindset, Mm. which um, is very transformative And yeah, my third tip is, you know, try and be as present in the moment as possible. So, um, you know, you might need a prop and we're going to do a different podcast on this one day called The Pineapple Effect. Mm. But um, a prop, for me, I use a wristband that reminds me, it catches me when I'm stuck in the past or overanalyzing the future, brings me back into the moment, my most present state.
1: You flick it, or do you just
0: grab it? I used to have elastic band back yeah, in the day when I first yeah. started doing this, and I would flick it almost like yeah, yeah. it was like a real jolt. But now I just um, I created these wristbands that say Connect I'm enough, it. and just looking at it, it could be a ring, it could be a bracelet that you're you know a gold or a silver one, whatever. Yeah. Um. And I have a really big gold pineapple in my lounge room that reminds me yeah. of the pineapple. You know, we'll yeah. do that another podcast, yeah, the yeah. pineapple effect. What are your top three, Damien? Yeah, mine are, don't
1: forget that nutrition, exercise and lifestyle factors are all huge modifiers of your health and healing. Yeah, You know, I truly believe in all the things that I spoke about today, you know, I implement a lot of it myself. So yeah, don't forget how important nutrition, exercise and lifestyle is in creating that
0: robust immune system. can change your life. Yeah. I learned a lot from you today, <laughs> Damien. I actually did. I, I mean, I always learn a lot from you, and I've, you know, I've done, you know, most of your masterclasses, and I love learning about how the body works and mm. all the biochemical aspects of the brain. Um, and the main thing I o- I've learned, particularly about this conversation, is it's malleable, mm. and you're in charge. Yep. You actually have a lot of control over mastering um you know your destiny and your immune system and and it really yes there are some biochemical things you can do clean up your diet you know there are things that we know we can do but the very thing that lacks us doing it is discipline and look at that look at what's behind that that's stopping you from eating well sleeping well doing the exercise because we know a lot of these things, although yep. today we learned much more of why we do what we do, why we need to eat better and feel better and exercise better. I think when I know why I need to do something, it makes me want to do it more. So hopefully this podcast helped people today. Um, I think that what I, I love to tackle is, um, you know, what's behind why we don't step into the wellness? Mm. What, what's behind the sabotage? Why you're not doing it? Mm. Um and you know why you're not living your happiest and healthiest life
1: so i think for me obviously having my own autoimmune challenges i can't really reiterate enough Mm. again how beneficial what we've covered today has been in my own health and healing yeah you know and i practice what i preach
0: yeah you do and that's that's why you are you know the practitioner that you are
1: so that brings us to the end of today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. So thank you, Amanda, today for sharing your insights. Oh, pleasure. Thank I you, know. Damien. I know this is always it will always be helpful for a lot of people. So a big thank you to you guys for tuning in and listening to the show. So if you love the podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate and give us a review because it really helps us. And if you want to find out more about us, you can do that at DamienAndAmanda.com. So until next time, stay safe and may the force be with you.